Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips too. So let's get the show started. Welcome, and on this week's Food Farms and Chefs show, we're highlighting a tasty array of food truck favorites and a brewery that is so good it can put a spell on you. As we begin this week's Food Farms and Chefs show, I have the honor of introducing our listeners to Daniel Hernandez, who owns the Spirit of San Juan food truck. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. And I believe Gene has something that he wants to bring up to your attention and have a question for you. Okay. Well, Daniel, first of all, welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Obviously, a great honor to have you. One being Spanish Heritage Month and you know Puerto Rico falling under the auspices of that. But at this point in time, and to all our listeners out there, our hearts go out to the people of Puerto Rico who are suffering through incredible tragedy after the hurricane. Do you have family or friends in Puerto Rico now that you know maybe you're dealing with the loss of power and the devastation from the hurricane? And if so, um, certainly give our prayers. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, devastating to hear what's going on right now. Um, uh, they're supposedly the whole island is without power, uh, which is um, you know crazy uh, to think. Uh, but uh, to answer your first question, no, I don't have um, immediate family in uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, most of my family um, is in uh, is in the states. Uh, my immediate family. Uh, so I, I'm sure I have uh, cousins and, and uh, you know, aunts and stuff like that that are in Puerto Rico uh, that I'm not, you know, um, you know, on, a, you know, communicating with them, you know, on a full time basis. But, uh, you know, um, definitely, you know, it, it's it's it brings a tear to my heart when I hear that uh, the island is suffering again you know, uh, with another hurricane, and they were still recovering from the last one. Yes, it, they have not had a, a couple good years, and it's been a very difficult situation for them. So yeah. you know, our, our hearts and our prayers go out to the people and to those people in, in the States who have family there and just, you know, everyone who's going through that. But, you know, as we move on, welcome to Food Farms and Chess, as I said, and it, it's really great to have you this being, you know, Latino or Spanish Heritage Month, it's a it's a great opportunity to, you know, celebrate the foods and the flavors of, you know, the Latin culture and and the islands and things like that. How did you get started in the food truck business? Well, it happened. Um, actually, uh, I used to work in IT um, for about thirty five years. I started right when I was in uh, high school. Um, came in and computers were just coming out. I'm 53. Uh, computers were just coming out and, um, you know, a, a, a friend of mine told me, Hey, come into this field. It's going to, it's going to get big. And I was like, ah, sure. All right. And, um, so I spent 35 years in it and, um, my company that I was with, uh, got bought out by another company and they kind of laid off everyone that was in the, in uh, my company. So, and I was one of them. And, um, 
I was kind of tired with the IT uh, field. So, and I love cooking. And uh, my original idea was to start up a restaurant um, in Mount Lowell, New Jersey, uh, who doesn't have that type of cuisine um, in, in, in town. So I wanted to bring that to uh, my town. You know, uh, I mean, you've tasted Latin food and uh, it's delicious. And I, I thought it would be a big hit here. But of course, that was in 2020. And we all know what happened in 2020, <laughs> the pandemic, uh, lockdowns, all the restaurants closed. So that idea went um, up in smoke. So, you know, pondering what to do next, my wife was like, well, why don't you try a food truck? And I said, uh, I don't know. I said, uh, you know. Maybe we could do that. So I partnered up with my sister, uh, Debbie Gonzalez, and her husband, George. Um, and uh, we said, let's start a food truck. Let's see how it goes. And from there, you know, if, if it's a success and people are into it, we'll work uh, towards, you know, a goal of opening a restaurant. And that was in, uh, you know, we got off on, uh, we took off on 2001. Uh, with our first gig at uh, Trenton State Penitentiary um, for a friend of ours. We did uh, 500 uh, uh, guests of the penitentiary, not inmates, but just the guards. You know, those those corporate those corporate food truck events are definitely the way to go. I mean, so many people just imagine the food trucks are concession-based things, and they don't realize that, you know, they're multiple catering companies, and I have a great deal of experience in that in that aspect of the business, and you know, that's a really great thing. You can bring a catering, you know, event right to your door, a wedding, and you know, when I, when I talked about having you on the show, I always talk about doing weddings with food trucks, and you can pull a couple food trucks into a state park or have a pavilion, and you can really do yourself a nice, you know, do-it-yourself wedding kind of thing, and you know, a truck like yours brings a whole new dimension, you know, other Absolutely. than, you know, cheesecakes or burgers or, you know, chicken fingers or fries. You know, you get so many great flavors and what a great, you know, accent you would be to, you know, other food trucks and, and things like that. Yeah. And I have a full kitchen in, in my truck. Um, I could cook everything that I cook in my commissary on my truck uh, if I needed to. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Um, and I've done that, you know, at, at some point where, you know, we had a big event and we had to cook extra food. Um, we were, we were able to do that. So, but yeah, I mean, we've done weddings, we've done, um, uh, birthday parties, um, and they've gone very well. Yeah. It's, it's, so tell us a little bit about some of your menu opportunities, what your menu options are. Well, our main staple is our empanadas. Um, they're all homemade. We have, um, beef empanadas. Uh, chicken empanadas and shrimp empanadas, and we all hand make them, uh, including the fillings. Um, we have our um, maduros, which are uh, fried uh, sweet plantains, and we have our tostones, okay. which are fried uh, um, salted plantains, um, which are good. We have um, those, which are codfish fritters. Uh, it's made with uh, salted codfish, flour, and, and some other um, ingredients. And uh, it's fried up and it's crispy and a little gooey on the inside and tastes a little salty with a little bit of fish taste. And um, we also do acapurias, rellenos de papas, which are um, potato balls stuffed with chop with um, with corned beef. 
but our our main um, thing is our panil, which is our uh, so-called pork roast um, and our uh, rice and beans. We have a traditional arroz con gandules, which is uh, yellow Spanish rice with uh, pigeon peas. And then we also have our um, white rice with uh, pink beans, um, which is also uh, um, a staple. I mean, I could eat that every day um, because I, I just love I, rice and beans. I do, right? <laughs> I'm a huge fan of both. Um, you know, I, I find that people get turned off by, you know, just the idea that there's something in it called pigeon peas and, and you know, and yellow rice and beans. And I'm like, no, no, you yeah. have to try it. Enjoy it. You know, it's a wonderful, wonderful dish. And, you know, with the pork, it's an absolute, you know, masterpiece of a meal. I mean, this is something I could eat every day. I feel yeah. really love it. So and I have to say... Tell us a little bit about the preparation of your pork. I mean, uh, it's obviously a slow yeah. cook, so, you know, how long are you just, cooking that? I was just going to bring that up. Um, um, I don't have any culinary experience. Uh, I, I'm just a, a weekend cook. You know, I, I cook at home. I cook dinner, you know, every night. Um, and um, and I picked up stuff from my uh, grandmother, who was a fabulous cook, and my father, who was also a very good cook. Um, so I picked up a lot from them, and um, I find it surprising without my uh, without any culinary experience that uh, people rave about my benin. Um, I It's it's a basic marinade that I put on and, and let it sit for a day or two. Um, it's just salt, pepper, oregano, and um, uh, butter cloves uh, in olive oil, and I just marinate the the benin and let it slow cook for four hours. Every morning, uh, we cook our pinning fresh every morning, and people yeah, cannot get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm wanting some right now. I, without a doubt, I'm wanting some right now. You know, I mean, for yeah. those listening to the show, you know that, you know, are not familiar with it. It is just a simple, amazing flavor. You know, that is just so genuine and really enjoyable. Um, it's just a simple preparation. It's, you know, peasant food in a way, but mm-hmm. it's so rich that it's, yeah. just, you know, really to be had. Yeah. I had one event where a gentleman came to the window and he had been to the truck before and he came up and, and uh, he said, I've lived in Florida for 20 years. He goes, and um, uh, I've been to every Cuban restaurant in, in Florida, to down in Miami. Uh, and he said, I have never tasted a better pending than you guys. I was like, wow. That's a heck of a compliment. Yes, yes. Absolutely. So, can our listeners, you know, in addition to your catering, can you have regular concession routes that you do? Do you do, you know, uh, various different, you know, microbreweries or, you know, can we find you at universities or any place like that where you go strictly more for the catering aspect? We do both. Um, we do a lot of events. Um, we've done, um, our last big one was uh, Made in America in Philadelphia uh, just over Labor Day weekend, um, a two-day event. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
which uh, which drew like 30,000 people, um, which is our first biggest event we've ever done. Um, so um, it was an experience for us. Um, but we're strictly, like I said, originally I wanted to bring uh, Puerto Rican food to my town of Mount Laurel. Um, so we we have a, a regular spot in Mount Laurel on Marne Highway, and um, it's at a place at our commissary kitchen. It's called Lakua Events, um, and they're located at uh, Marne Highway near Rancocas Woods. Um, and we park in the parking lot, um, and we have a lot of regulars that come up and, and um, know that we're there. And we have a lot of people that uh, travel up and down Marne Highway uh, that just see our truck and we're like, wow, I, I, so glad I found you. We, we don't have anything like that around here. So, um, but we do a lot of events around um, our local towns. Uh, Haynesport, we got coming up. Uh, we just did uh, Mount Laurel Food Truck Festival um, uh, yesterday, Sunday. Um, and we have, uh, we're pretty book solid uh, coming up in the next two months, right before the season ends. Congratulations on your first Made in America. I've been involved in that event 20, 20 plus years. Um, so I, I know it inside out, backwards. And, you know, yeah, for your first position, because it was a lower crowd. And, you know, it was 30,000, 35,000 people as compared yeah. to you know, 65, 70, which we've had in the past and things like that. And I think at this point in time, my co-host, Amaris, may have a question for you as well. I mean, I love, you know, Latin food. Any any type of food or cuisine that has a lot of flavor, um, you know, in an abundance and in, is something that can be so universally used because you can take the, your slow roasted pork, put it on rice and beans and combine it or put it inside of a empanada and, you know, have something delicious like that. So is there anything that you do specials, specials wise? Uh, we have, um, speaking of the pork, uh, we do have our sandwich. We call it an old San Juan. It's a, it's a take on the um, Tibarito. It's, uh, that sandwich uh, was originated in Chicago, um, it's, and it's made with um, uh, steak. But we use pork on ours, and we call it the old San Juan. Uh, we top it with our uh, ketchup and mayonnaise, um, which is called mayor ketchup. Uh, yellow cheese, lettuce, and some red onion. Um, and it's, it's delicious. Um, we also, uh, um, we don't do anything else with the pork. Uh, we serve it with our rice, um, uh, the choices of rice, the, the yellow rice or the, or the white rice and beans, um, because that people love it that way. Um, so I try to keep you know, I, I don't want to overdo the menu with just all pork stuff, so I try to keep it uh, mixed up. And uh, the sandwich is a good add uh, for the um, for the uh, roasted pork. And I mean, yes, of course. <laughs> and you know, before before we let you have to let you go, what is one of your favorite dishes to eat? And you know, and then of course, let us know where to find you on socials. Well, I, I mentioned this before, the, the white rice and beans, I could eat that every day. And um, I, I hooked my daughter up. She's a very picky eater, and she would eat that every day with me, too. <laughs> <laughs> I just love rice and beans. <laughs> my mom used to make them very, uh, she used to make them just, that, that was her only dish 
she wasn't a great cook, but that was her only dish that she could cook very well. And I loved every time she cooked it. And, and I think I picked that up from her. Um, but, um, but you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we're at, at the spirit of San Juan on Instagram and on Facebook. It's the spirit of San Juan. Um, we usually post, uh, where we're going to be. Um, normally, like I said, we're on, um, at Lakua events during the weekdays and on weekends, um, on Marin highway in Mount Laurel. Um, but we can, uh, but you can find us on Facebook and I post every day that we're out and where we're going to be. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Daniel. And uh, I will be sure to try to, you know, stock your truck um, for some of those rice and beans. But we will take a commercial break and we will be back right, right away. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. Thank you. To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, two Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time and FM station in New York, send us an email to either foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com or diningonadive at yahoo.com. Hi, everyone. I have the honor to introduce Joe and Catherine Argento, who are the owners of Mama's Meatballs, which is located in Pensacola, New Jersey. They also have Mama's Meatballs food truck, which I love. That's how I was introduced to them. And I would just love to introduce you to them as well. So Joe and Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us on. Appreciate it. No problem. I, as you know, I've wanted you on for a while. Yeah, well, we've you know finally we're able to link up and um, you know get it um, get it done this time, right? Right. You know, with the crazy schedules and growing of the business and and you know, yeah. And I mean, you are definitely popular. You, um, I know that you guys had uh, taken over the business. Um, from from Mike, who used to, who you know, previously owned it. But how did you get started, and how did you come about um, purchasing and taking over Mama's Meatballs? Like, what was your yeah. inspiration, and you know, how did you have Mama's Meatballs before? Sorry, that was a lot of questions all at once. No, <laughs> that's okay. We get that asked a lot. You know, actually, um, you know, my husband, you know, Joe, actually grew up in the industry. And, um, and I did not. So when we, you know, kind of went in, into this as husband and wife, we both had kind of different views and I really wanted to go mobile. You know, we have a, we have five kids and, you know, um, us as a couple, you know, so, you know, we just definitely wanted, I wanted to have that flexibility and, um, he definitely wanted to have a traditional restaurant. So we ended up you know, finding this during the pandemic. And it was a little scary at first, but we, uh, we believed in the brand and we knew that with the expansion of like all the addition, additional things that we would add, you know, to the menu and stuff that it, it could definitely be a, a really great thing. Yeah, yeah. So to add on to what she's saying is that before we found Mama's Meatballs, we had to open up our first restaurant back in 2017 out in Lebanon County, Pennsylvania. I personally have been in this business my whole entire life since my family came here from Sicily. Um, but when we opened up our first restaurant, it was a little kind of off the beating path and, and Kathy was not too excited about being out in, in the farmland. So 
we wanted to get something closer to the city, um, something that kind of met what our both of our visions were for our future. And it was either the idea of building something from scratch or finding something that met those specifications. And it just so happened that we were able to find, you know, when we bought the business, we, we found a business that had a food truck and a storefront. And we were able to take on um, the brand that had built a name for itself over the past seven, you know, from seven years from the time we purchased it, but then bring it into having a life of its own, a new life uh, um, that kind of enhanced the original concept and ideas. And I wanted to, it's, it's funny that you bring that up because that is one of the things that I wanted to touch base on is the fact that you took some of the original brand's recipes and you, you know, tweaked it to reflect your own vision, you know, for, for what you're going to be offering. Not that you, you know, made it so that it was so far off, but it's, you enhanced it. So how did you, how did you enhance some of the dishes and what are some of the menu items that you added on to expand, you know, the, the options that, that you do offer? So as, as far as the food truck is concerned, um, we've pretty much stayed true to the heart of Mama's meatballs. We made a few tweaks in that the original meatballs uh, were stuffed. And what we came to the conclusion pretty quickly is that stuffing the meatballs is a very time-consuming and tedious task. So instead of stuffing the meatballs, we decided to uh, grate the cheeses that were in and mix it into the meat for the purpose of, so you still get the flavor profile, but um, we were able to produce more in less time. Additionally, we added, um, you know, when we're doing, because the majority of the events that we do are private uh, and corporate catering. So we decided, I mean, you know, pasta and meatballs go together, you know, um, very well. So we decided to add on pasta dishes to the food truck. Um, Which we don't, we don't do that at big events, but we do that a lot smaller private events. Another thing with the, the meatballs, you know, being stuffed, we actually had a lot of people because the way we expanded the menu and we offer them, you know, different styles like drunken style, Philly Willie style, right? Having that extra, you know, those balls of cheese in the center just wasn't really, we didn't feel that it was really conducive for our customers. We had a lot of people that, you know, would ask if we, you know, we, we had meatballs that didn't have cheese stuffed in them. So, you know, there was a lot that went into the decision of like taking that out, you know? Yeah. And then, and then when it comes to the storefront, I mean, we wanted to, to be honest with you, when we first took over the business, we weren't going to turn the store into like a pizzeria style because pizzerias have kind of uh, taken on a life where they've now become diners. They, they offer everything under the menu. They got a 17 page menu <laughs> with tons of stuff that is not homemade, which is completely against my philosophy in the restaurant business. Um, you know, we, everything we do, we do, we do from scratch and it's homemade everything from roasting our own peppers to, you know, breading our own chicken cutlets and shaving down the ribeye for the rib for our cheesesteaks and making our own bread. We make our own bread in-house baked throughout the day. So fresh hot loaves are always coming out the oven and and ready to make sandwiches. Um, so I, I really wanted to not only expand upon the meatballs, um, but I wanted to kind of have it, it to be a sandwich shop at first, but I've been uh, making pizza since I was 13 years old. And Kathy was like, 
we need to have pizzas on this menu. <laughs> I said he's, so. he's too talented. You know, anyone that knows him is he's way too talented to not showcase his, you know, offer, you know, Penn Falcon, the surrounding communities, you know, the pizza. So that's, that's why we added all that on. And it, you know, it's expanded to what it is now. And, you know, we, we keep adding things on. We just added roast pork sandwiches, uh, which are, have been huge. And, you know, we're going to continue to add a couple more um, very specialty items, such as those things. Yeah. So when you first bought the company, I will tell you, I don't bother these meatballs for years and years. The food truck, I've worked alongside that. Um, I'm in the special events industry. And when that took place and it was going to be, oh, a change into meatballs because, you know, Mama's meatballs were like, you know, when I go to a food truck event, I've had everything under the sun. I've had every food truck imaginable. And that was one that I, when I knew it was going to be there, I was like, great. I could eat something that I'll really enjoy tonight. So it was really a lot of nervousness around the change. And I will tell you what you did was phenomenal. The change in your products I've had it since a truck it's just really, really, you took something that was just, you know, a, a, a gold standard. and You actually made it better, which is so hard to do with this industry. And, you know, you made it more comfortable for people. So, you know, kudos to you for doing that. It was really a, you know, a, a, a thing that I questioned at first. Ooh, you know, we have something that's really successful. Why change it? And, you know, in, in your particular case, it worked for the better. So, you know, hats off and kudos to you for that. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny because it, like you said, there was a bunch of nervousness around it. And, and I'm out of the two of us, I'm a risk taker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm the person to, you know, put it all on the line and say, this is, this is how it's going to be done. And, you know, people are either going to love it or they hate it. Kathy's a little more on the reserve side where she's like, oh, do we do this? Do we not do this? And I'm like, listen, especially because where we're expanding, you know, we're, we're looking at opening up multiple stores and multiple food trucks. And we're going to be offering and selling the meatballs online to be shipped across the nation. So there's a, a bottleneck when we want to keep the integrity of a hand rolled meatball made from scratch and you know, how do we make it as efficient as possible, but as delicious as possible at the same time. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that's, you know, when we made the decision, that's what it came down to. And luckily it worked out for the best. It absolutely has. So, I mean, I know that, you know, being in the food truck world and, and around it every day, you know, everybody is jumped on board with that and said, wow, you know, look at this. It's even, it's even better. And, you know, when your truck being there excites the other food truck people, it's a compliment mm-hmm. in itself. So it's a it definitely is, yeah. thank you. We appreciate it. And yeah, it's, uh, it's been great so far. So. Now, I need to chime in and say you your location for your brick and mortar is actually at like a an amazing location because behind your building 
Um, I mean, yes, there's a development uh, of houses, but you also have a park that is utilized on a regular basis uh, for, I believe, uh, mostly baseball. But I see people back mm-hmm. there practicing all the time. So do you get a huge influx of um, people from the community that, you know, walk, either are driving by or, you know, are you involved to give back to the community in any way? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, yes, we definitely, we do sponsorships um, with, you know, some of the organizations, the sports um, teams and whatnot. Um, and, you know, we're learning more and more of the different um, different organizations that are within Penn Falcon, which has been really nice because that's a, that's a big thing for us, you know, is, is uh, we want to be involved and be able to, you know, to give back in different ways as well. You know, a restaurant is more than just serving food, you know? Exactly. And I've, um, I for one, I'm going to swing back to the food truck side of this uh, again, which is, you know, when you implemented the pasta into the food truck business, um, I I was able to actually have one of your bowls of pasta with meatballs. And I, I have to say, I was extremely excited because previously that wasn't something that, you know, was ever offered. You know, you usually get it in the little um, bun or the slider bun, um, a, you know, or just like a cut in half, um, you know, like hoagie roll of some sort. And this was kind of unique because I was just like, ooh, excited, like, you know, and you could add extra sauce onto it, too. So I was I was very happy when you implemented the pasta part of it. Yeah, a lot of people were. And, and you know, like I said, for some really big event, um, it's not a conducive thing. So we just stick with the sliders. But for most of our events now, um, we make sure that we do the pasta bowls and we also offer um, the drunken sauce as well. So um, that, keeps, that's, a huge that that's a huge thing. Yeah. What are some of the other events? Because obviously, you know, I, I ran into you again at the Mount Laurel food, food Truck Festival. But what are some of the other fe- uh, festivals that you're going to be vending at? Um, so we have we kind of go between. So even though our shop um, and food truck is in uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, we're actually from Pennsylvania, uh, kind of closer to the King of Prussia area. Um, so we do have some fall events coming up, like Phoenixville area. Um, you know, so we we have uh, I would say we have like fall festivals going on like down this way and stuff. We do we actually do a lot of dealerships too. So you know we do a lot of private catering, and um, yeah, that that's that's kind of where we're at as far as for like our October. Um, you know, we don't. Our festival that we do, we, we do our every year Duffield Farms, you know, we do the Mount Laurel Festival, and uh, then we kind of branch out from there to other areas. And what are some, because I know that you you also are, you know, gearing up to sell the meatballs across the, you know, the country or whatever through through an online service, um, but how how would people, you know, reach out to you and like... Do you offer special menus for catering purposes? Yeah, we do. That actually has been a huge part of our expansion as well. Um, but, you know, just trying to get that out there. People are just realizing now that we, we do, you know, they think sometimes it's just a food truck. And um, now that it's becoming more known that we have a huge in-house catering menu as well. Yeah, so that that's the, the dynamics of our business is there's, there's multiple ways for people to, to have us cater, whether it's the food truck or it's in our storefront. 
And uh, I mean, I grew up in a, a Sicilian household. So like catering for large amounts of people is like, it, it's natural to me. And so like we do a lot of in-house catering from our store. Um, and we offer everything that's on our storefront menu is offered on our catering menu as well. Um, and, you know, larger quantities and, you know, uh, we, we just the way we do it is we bring it to the table the way that you want to see it presented, the way that you want it broken down for large quantities of people. And we, we make it really easy for people to, um, you know, have those options for birthday parties and for, you know, weddings or whatever special event you have going on. Um, but then, you know, as far as the, the, the food truck catering, I mean, that's what the, the, the truck is all built for. And that's what we focus on is our catering off of the storefront. I mean, off of the food truck for large corporations, like uh, we have companies um, all around South Jersey and Southeastern Pennsylvania with employees of 400 or more that hire us to feed their employees in a two to three hour window um, we're one of the only food trucks that can actually serve that many people in that, in that small amount of time frame because of the way that we operate. So, so that, you know, makes a, makes a difference as far as, you know, how, how the catering happens. Um, so what, before we let you go, I mean, we all have our favorite mama's meatballs meatball. I love the spicy one. I, I forget what the name of it is, but what is one of your favorite mama's meatballs? <laughs> you are, you have it spot on. The, the That's a spicy ball. Like the, the theme of the that's a spicy is like, think of Jim Carrey in the mask. Like that's a spicy meat the ball. Like that <laughs> is, and I tell everyone when people are like, well, what's your favorite? And I'm like, well, you might not like it, but in my opinion, it's the best meatball in America is that's a spicy ball. It's so good. It's, Oh, I love so, it. It's so unique. It's so it hits all the all the spots in your palate, you know. And uh, and it's it's kind of like um how you say it? it's a it's a kind of like a crapshoot because one of the big ingredients that makes the spicy ball spicy ball is the is the roasted long hots that we put in. And sometimes the long hots are like medium hot, and sometimes we put the same amount in the the, the batches every single week. But sometimes they're really really hot. And sometimes they're a little more mild. So like sometimes you get a spicy ball and it's like, oh, that's got a little bit of heat to it. And the next time you get the ball, it's like, holy. You're like, that's that. a spicy <laughs> <Yeah>. ball. <laughs> Hence the name, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you let our listeners know where to find you in person and online? So our storefront is uh, 2673 Haddonfield Road, Pensalkin, New Jersey, we are minutes across the Betsy Ross Bridge from Philadelphia. We are also minutes down the road from the Cherry Hill Mall, um, on the same road as the Cherry Hill Mall, just headed towards the Betsy Ross Bridge. Um, and uh, online, you can find us at mamasmeatballs.com, Facebook, Instagram, at Mama's Meatballs. Um, you know, we're highly accessible on social media, and, uh, you know, you can reach out to us for any of your catering needs. Uh, we'd be happy to help. Um, we always customize and make every experience as enjoyable as possible for our customers and our clients. All right. Well, thank you so much, Joe and Catherine, for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Great pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) And we will be right back after this commercial break. 
You can find Chef Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 across all social media or email him at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can find Amaris Pollock at arpollockus across social media or email her at arpollockus at gmail.com to become a sponsor of the show or become a guest at Food Farms and Chefs. We're rounding down by introducing all of you to John Kampanik, who owns Spellbound Brewing, which is located in Mount Holly, New Jersey. And I'm laughing because I was asking him how to pronounce his last name properly, and I still messed it up. But John, thank you, and welcome to the show. It's great to be on. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. And obviously, like I've discussed with you how much I love your brewery, which is Spellbound Brewing. And I mean, your beers have so much flavor and have so much like you have such a rounded profile, like given all of the different taps you have. How did you get started and who inspired you? Uh, Well, we got started. We actually... It was like 2012-ish, myself, uh, Mike Oliver, and Scott Redding. Uh, We were all home brewers, and and that's kind of like a typical story for most craft breweries. It's, you know, people that start brewing at home, and then they realize, hey, we can make things that that taste just as good as a commercial brewery. So then you start to take a look at it, and then you realize how expensive it can get, and then you just kind of back away and go back to home brewing. But... We, uh, we originally tried to do like individually then myself and Mike, but it just was not enough wherewithal back then. And, um, then we met Scott through homebrew circles. He had won a couple of homebrewing events. Um, so we got together and actually, uh, we would sit there at the bar and drink beer and have these aspirations to open a brewery. But at that time, everybody does that. You, you go through this cycle where you drink, you're like, yeah, we got to do it. And then you never meet or you never do anything. So finally, one day we're like, okay, how about this? If we really want to do this, we're going to meet on Saturday, no beer allowed, no drinking. And we're going to see if we can put pen to paper and cobble together a, uh, just a working business plan and take a look at our finances, et cetera, et cetera. And like you said, uh, Mount Holly, New Jersey, we checked all over the place. And there's so many requirements. It, you know, it can't have a septic system, certain height for the ceilings because the tanks have to fit. Um, but there's a lot of parameters and also the town that you're in. Some towns still, uh, well, I'm not sure anymore, but in New Jersey, they really did not want a brewery in town because there was always this, you know, this negative thought like, oh, all the people are going to go there and get drunk. Um, but craft beer obviously is a different animal. Um, so Mount Holly was very welcoming, and uh, we, uh, Village Idiot actually was there a year before we were. We opened in 2014. They actually kind of were groundbreaking, and they, they uh, went to town, and, and uh, Mount Holly really uh, appreciates craft beer. So we uh, started building in Mount Holly in uh, 2014, October 2014. We opened our doors. And I am so glad that you did because I happened upon, I mean, how I happened upon you initially, I was just kind of looking up breweries around the area. And, you know, your name kind of struck me because I have, you know, oh, like a funny side to me, like I'm a little spiritual. So the fact that your name was spellbound, I was like, 
oh, now I need to check this out. And I, you know, obviously like I'm, I, I research everything before I go anywhere. So I actually looked up your brews too. And I was like, oh, this is definitely a brewery, brewery that I want to, you know, check out. And of course I did. Um, and one of the beers that I fell in love with, you know, straight away was what, you know, the can that you actually um, gifted to me yesterday, which was the, the Porter on Palo Santo Wood. I fell in love with that the first sip. <laughs> like, when, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> no, thank that you. Is, uh, <laughs> that is that beer has had quite a journey. Actually, it's a, it's funny you picked that one out. Um, that's one that we're really proud of. We've uh, won three medals at the Great American Beer Fest at that beer in seven years, well, six years that we really entered it, um, which is crazy. We basically winning every other year with that beer, we uh, would never expect it. And we were actually, in 2015, we were on the canning line, canning pale ale or something like that. And we had submitted each brewery. You can submit four beers. They kind of limit how many beers you're allowed to send. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they're judging and they have, you know, like last year, it was like over 7,000 beers that they judge. So it's just such a massive event. So, But in 2015, we entered... Palo Santo is one of the beers. And um, then in the middle of canning, all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up like text, like, congratulations, congratulations. And first thing I'm thinking is like, for what? I was like, what happened? Because we completely forgot that GABF, Great American Beer Fest, was the day we were canning. Um, But then finally somebody mentioned like, hey, congrats on the medal. And then put two and two together like, oh, geez, all right, Great American Beer Fest, we won. We didn't know what beer though. Like literally we're sitting there, like we didn't have it like live streaming or anything like that. And, and, uh, finally somebody said you won a uh, silver for the Palo Santo in the wood age category. And we were, we were like shocked. We were running to the, the brewery. We were open at the time. Everybody was all excited. It was just a lot of fun. But, and then the next year we, you know, we were live streaming it and we got nothing. <laughs> Oh, I mean, but it's still, it's very exciting to even be entered into, like to enter into a competition because, you know, you don't know, you don't know how it's going to be received or what, you know, if you're going to win and when you do win, it's extremely exciting. So the fact that you won at, you know, before and so many times, I, you know, it makes sense that you wanted to live stream it because at that point in time, you're probably like, oh, it's definitely going to win again. Yeah, we well, we had high hopes, but but then in 2017, we forgot about it again, and we started getting texts, and we won a gold medal. <laughs> so we're like, all right, we just we just cannot pay attention to this thing anymore, and uh, we just won. Submit and forget. I mean, yep, and we just won uh, this past October, the last one. We uh, got another silver. So at that point, we're like, when you win one, you know, it could be random chance. Depends on who you're up against and stuff like that two we're like wow that's pretty darn cool and then once we got the third it's like okay this beer's legit yeah (laughs) we're always second guessing ourselves and and um yeah and uh especially you know once we brought megan adams on board she's our head brewer um she really honed it in like it's never been better than it is right now which is 
very good because you have, I mean, you have very interesting flavors. And I want to say that when I was researching you, um, uh, your, your one, your one business partner, Mike Oliver had stated, uh, on your, on your website, an article written about him that one of his inspirational, uh, beers that kind of inspired him to start brewing had berries and spices in it. And I'm going to throw to the triple, <laughs> the triple cherry, um, because that one is obviously a fruit, a fruit based beer. Um, but I, that's, it's also another one of my favorites. And, you know, I'm wondering how much of that, in, that initial inspiration that he found inspired all of you to, you know, incorporate like the various flavors, the different fruited beers and, you know, some of the in more interesting brews that you have out there. Well, that one's uh, definitely uh, close to our heart. We sell a lot of Cherry Bells and Triple. I mean, it doesn't hurt that it's eight and a half, eight and a half percent, um, <laughs> but, but that one, very interestingly, we did that for our first AC Beer Fest as a collaboration with the New Jersey Craft Beer Club, which um, NJCB, um, they, we all uh, basically got together, had side discussions, and we tried to figure out a beer that we could introduce at the beer fest. So um, for New Jersey, and that one actually we used some like honey from Melvino Meadery, uh, but it was just a, a complete collaboration. It was, it was a lot of fun that day to brew it, but what we did is we brewed 20 barrels of it and we split the batch into two 10-barrel fermenters. One was just a straight, Belgian triple and the other one we'd like okay we'll add some cherries to it just try to do something that's a little bit different and after we were done we were just we were floored the uh plus didn't hurt that the cherry triple was outselling the other one like 20 to 1 so um but yeah that that is one beer that uh we're really proud of I mean as well as most of our beers but <laughs> but yeah that that's always a good one that's what we call our fest beer we always have it at beer fest just because it's always a crowd pleaser and and it, as it should be because i've tasted it is it's it's very potent but it's so delicious um and speaking of things to be proud of you before we we got on air had let me know that you have a celebration coming up uh yes uh october 8th at the brewery we will we have uh our eighth anniversary um we're actually going to have a couple of bands playing. This will count as one of our events, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but, but yeah, we're, we'll pretty much be there from uh, 12 to 10. We'll have new, we're having some new beers that are going to be released. Um, some old friends. And uh, we're, we're certainly going to have, we'll probably have like 30 or 40 different beers on that day throughout the course of the day. Bottle release, all that fun stuff like that. So it's it's a really fun, long, exhausting day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is, and uh, you know, hopefully, I'll be one of the people that can get can make it there because uh, I would love to have a whole gamut of selections of brews that you have available. Um, well, so, what are some of the other events that you are tied into um, that are you know pretty regular events that you host at at Spellbound? Uh, we, we actually do a lot of events. We try to do as much as we can in town. Um, and then, uh, you know, we always support fire, 
police, veterans, like they're the main ones on our list, but we're super hyper local. Uh, we like to support. We have a Spellbound Century, which uh, this was our eighth year of doing that. And we, so far to date, have raised uh, well over $300,000 for all hyper-local community. Um, and basically, it's it's like our lowest sales day of the year because everything goes towards the charity. So it's it's, uh, it's a great ride. 1,500 riders just this year we had um, going out, starting in Mount Holly and ending back in Mount Holly. And uh, it's just a great day. And just it's so cool to be able to actually well, part of the stipulation, the, the, any of the groups that we donate to, they have to use the funds and it has to be something we can see or, you know, it has to be used within a year. This way, it just doesn't go into a general slush fund. We want people to take action uh, with all the funds that we uh, raise. So it's really cool to see it. like everything from, you know, helping with a local baseball the little league fix up the fields and, and this year we actually had, um, other one was, uh, there's a, basically it's a female benevolent society. It's like a little secret society in town. They really don't tell anybody about it, but, and they actually help people that are really down on their lot. They'll, they'll support people for like six months or for a year, like right in their house. It's, it's, there's so many, um, so many great things that, um, seen local Mount, Mount Holly people like what they're doing when it comes to uh, these programs. Yes. And, you know, and the fact that you you initiated a program with a local cycling company um, to to create something that gives back to the community is it. it, it makes your brewery even more endearing in, you know, people's hearts and, um, and, and makes people want to be able to support you, not just, you know, on a regular basis, but also for that particular event, which is why it's like that the Spellbound Century has grown so exponentially from when you initially started it. Yeah, it's TNT Cycling and George and his whole crew i mean just the amount of volunteers and mount holly police and it's just it's unbelievable how many people help um plus it's fun because your the route actually takes you through um you know depending on the year like three to five farms depending on how much distance you're going to do and you could stop at the farm you know get food water all that stuff like that but you can actually buy things and then they bring it back to the brewery and you can pick it up at the end which is is very cool um and very convenient and and that's um every year and people can sign up um actually for the next year's uh spellbound century online front through your website as well yep we we just put that up recently and we have i think we maxed it at fifteen hundred riders we had a waiting list this year of uh probably about two hundred and fifty people um but I highly recommend if you're going to do the century, sign up now. Um, we have already over 400 people signed up for next year. So it doesn't last. <laughs> um, now, before I have to let you go, what uh, what is some of your favorite beers that you guys brew? Well, recently, uh, well, I can tell you, like Matt, our tasting room manager, he's in love with the, uh, the Esther's Pumpkin Ale, which unfortunately we're, just about out of uh, 
then my taste change all the time. Um, same thing with Mike and Scott. Like we, we have so many different beers. We have 20 beers on tap at all times, if not more, um, packaged goods in the brewery, um, open five days a week, basically Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, but it's a, it's a real, like you said, we have a really good mix of beers, but yeah, I think right now, uh, the, the hot one is going to be, uh, Esther, our brewery cat her own pumpkin ale. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you going to rebrew like rebrew it cuz October is is right around the corner and that seems to be a very popular um craft beer. It's unfortunately it's too late and we're already moving on to the next one. We do have a a Doppelbach that's in the tank. That's going to be uh, one of our special new beers for uh the October 8th celebration. Um other one that's super popular, uh, we have a mango pale ale. Ooh. And, oh, it's, yeah, it, since we introduced it, um, it just, it flies. We, we, that's one we cannot keep in stock. <laughs> but we're, we're still ahead of the game, but it's, it's just been real, uh, one of those surprises. You know, we know people like mango, but we didn't realize how good this beer was going to come out. And it was a lot of experimentation to get the amount of mango right, but it's just, a great balanced beer. And then the other big one in our brewery is always like our, the green can people know it as our IPA. It's a West coast style. It's been our number one seller since day one. And, and, uh, it seems like the trend is coming back. West coast styles went out of favor for a little bit and it was, everything was a hazy IPA. And now the hazies are starting to drop off a little bit. Well, I, I in particular love myself some stouts. So the Mayan Imperial Stout is something that I want to try. Um, and if you want an IPA or, or an Imperial Stout or a Belgian and have, you know, and if you love craft beers, please, please check out Spellbound Brewing because they have the best beers that I I've tasted in a very long time. Um, but thank you so much for joining us on the show, John, and let us know where can we find you in person and on socials? Uh, well, spellboundbrewing.com. Uh, you can get to our website. Uh, Facebook is, uh, backslash spellboundbrew or just look us up. Uh, we're on Instagram as well. Um, on Twitter on occasion, but for the most part, the big ones for us, most of it you're going to see through uh, Instagram. We're open, like I said, five days a week. Uh, always 20 beers on tap and plenty of packaged goods. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs, John. And I look forward to seeing your you at the brewery. All right. You can find us online at ARPolicus. Or if you would like to be a sponsor or a guest on the show, you can email me at arpolicus at gmail.com. And if you'd like to follow Gene, you can follow him at ibfoodie2 or email him at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And tune in to listen to our show on your favorite streaming platform at any time by following Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show. 